Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. It's a lot of work if you have to educate and you have to kind of build the market. So I think finding a market that you know is either underserved or one that you think that you can add value to or your spin on. And that doesn't mean that you have to be the first. Um, but I think that you have to make sure that there's enough people in that market for you to be able to grow it and scale it. How do you determine if there's enough people? Well, there's a few different ways. And I'm glad you asked that because I, I like talking about this because um, a lot of people don't look at... That's Scott Volker, the amazing seller, who's with us today to talk about branding, his story, how he got started from a little photography business. He actually even sold bridges and projectors. He was kind of doing a bunch of things and then landed on Amazon and then Amazon FBA. He's going to teach us a lot about physical products and using Amazon white labeling, those sorts of things. But then we do a shift midway through talk about branding and how to stand out whether you have a physical product a digital product it doesn't matter scott's become known and has been widely loved by so many with his style and his teaching and i love him a lot too because he's just like me a family guy really in it to serve others and um kind of started out in this in a similar way that i did so make sure you hit subscribe then sit back and listen in this is gonna be a great one intro please Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now, so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, if he had to choose one platform to create content on for the rest of his life, it'd be a podcast. Pat Flynn. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me today in session 333. We are... 33% through a 1,000 episodes of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. I'm so thankful you're here taking time out of your day. I'm going to make it worth your while because of Scott, our special guest today. Uh, He's known as The Amazing Seller at TheAmazingSeller.com. He also has The Amazing Seller Podcast, and he is amazing because of where he's coming from and why he's here. He's here to serve. That's why he's successful, and that's why you can be successful too because we're going to talk about branding. We're going to talk about Uh, you know, standing out of the crowd and finding your market and how to understand whether or not there's enough people in that market or there's enough demand and all those sorts of things, things that Scott is an expert at. And we're going to talk to him right now. Let's do it. Scott, what's up, man? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it, Pat. I'm excited to be here. Fired up. 
you know, this has been a long time coming. We've been friends for a while, and you and I have started to work together uh, even more so recently. And I love the direction that you're going in your business now to kind of helping people outside of Amazon, which is what you become known for at the Amazing Seller. But what I love most about you, Scott, is that you are just like me. You're doing this for all the right reasons. You know, there's a lot of people in both the Amazon space and just in general in the internet business world who, you know, they're great at what they do and they're not necessarily somebody I would want to hang out with or really introduce my audience to where you are somebody who I would love to share with my audience because you have the mission just like I do. What what is your mission for what you do, Scott? You know, really, it's to to help and to serve and to make a bigger impact. And uh, you know, I think as we all start, we we start, you know, because we want to have that freedom for our families and security and all of that stuff. And you think once you get to a certain milestone that you know that will kind of uh, you know still be there, but it's really more than that. It, to me, it's more about now how many more people can I help and serve. But it's getting past that. I need to make money because I got to pay the bills, you know, and then once you get past that and that's kind of where I'm at now, um, it's like, how do I make a bigger impact? How do I, um, you know, be able to take people that don't believe in themselves or that were like me and, and still like me? I mean, you know, I mean, we, we still all face those challenges, those mental hurdles mm-hmm. and uh, and being able to help people through that journey and and allow them to do great things, uh, you know, in their life. Yeah, absolutely. And what I love about you as well is you are a family man. I see you on Instagram and with your family and your kids doing things together. And that's just perfectly in alignment with with why I do what I do as well. And what's really cool is you kind of got started in, um, you know, way back in the day with, I think, a business that you created with your your wife. Is that right? Is that kind of how you started with building your own business? Yeah. Did you want me to dig into that? Yeah. Tell us about that and how it led to kind of where you're at today. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's exactly it. I've been married for 24 years now too, Pat. We just celebrated our 24th anniversary. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and uh, still very much in love with her. And um, we've raised uh, three kids. I've got a 10-year-old. Uh, I've got a 20-year-old son. And I've got a 22-year-old daughter who is married, by the way. And uh, I'm 45. So I got married when I was 21. Um, so that's a little bit of the backstory. But when I first got started, I was in the construction business. I was building houses and remodeling and doing all that stuff. Um, I never went to college and, and I, I used to be embarrassed of that because like all my friends were going to college and they were having a blast and they were getting an education. And I thought successful people went to college. Um, my father was raised, uh, you know, in a farming, uh, community and a farming family and they had nine brothers and sisters and, um, you know, a lot of hard work. And I was never really introduced to college, to be honest with you. It wasn't really pushed. It was like, all right, Scott, what are you going to do when you, when you get older? Like what, what kind of, you know, what kind of uh, physical labor job are you going to do? <laughs> And that's basically what I did. I, I started, um, you know, I had a few jobs in high school and stuff, you know, restaurant and all that stuff. But, you know, when I got out of high school, I was, uh, you know, kind of like, what am I, what am I going to do now? And my father had a construction business with him and his partner. And then I helped them build that business to a pretty sizable company, brick and mortar. And um, I had about, I think we had about 16 or 17 employees under me um, that I was running these crews, um, which we started with just us. Um, And I learned a lot about partnerships, uh, what I didn't want in a partnership. It was like a bad marriage with him and his partner, and then just family getting involved in all that stuff. But I learned very quickly once I had kids that I didn't want to be gone 60 hours a day, and I didn't want to be busting my body up and in the heat and in the cold. I was from upstate New York originally. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my wife and I had this idea 
idea that we would start a photography business. And you'd be like, well, why did you come up with that idea? Well, we had kids. Well, at the beginning, we had one kid and we were bringing her to get her pictures taken. And we're like, we could probably do this. Like we like photography. We had a little bit of a, of a passion for it. My, my wife, especially she had a good eye for it, but we had no fit, you know, training or anything. So my wife said, you know, what do you think about me doing this thing on the side? And I'll just, you know, I'll see what happens and we'll advertise it in like the penny saver or whatever. And I'm like, sure. You know, so we went out and bought some equipment, uh, knowing nothing. And by, and at that time too, Pat, there was no YouTube, there was YouTube, but it wasn't like it is now. Mm-hmm. We had to go to the library. We had to go to the photo store, the, the lab and actually get our 35 millimeter developed. And we had to test our lighting and then go and get them printed and then see how it was. There was no digital LCD screen on the back of your camera at that time. Right. So we did that and um, we started it part-time and in about 18 months, we actually built it to enough revenue that I could leave my job. And That's that really was cool. scary. Yeah, it was scary and we did it. And um, I always had a safety net that I could always go back and swing the hammer. And I never had to go back and swing the hammer. But I had that in the back of my mind. Like if I had to, I could. Um, So we built that into a six-figure business um, over about five to seven years. And um, it was great. It was taking my – we were taking our kids to school. Um, We were busy in fourth quarter because obviously people are getting their their Christmas pictures taken and stuff. And we built it into a a nice business. But you were still always – you're putting in the time, right? You're, you, you're, you're working for yourself, but you're, you're still working for other people because you're having its clients, right? Uh, client work. And then I started hearing about this online stuff, uh, selling stuff online. I started dabbling in eBay and I started selling, um, it was funny. I started selling these little wooden bridges, um, from the Christmas uh, store, Christmas shop or whatever it was called. And my wife found them and they were like 25 bucks. And we seen that they were selling on eBay for like 140 bucks. So we started selling them and I actually that helped pay for my kids, um, uh, private school. We no sent them way. to a private Selling school. bridges. Yes. Little wooden cedar bridges that go in your garden. That's so crazy. Yeah. And so that got me lit up. I'm like, holy crap, like you can sell stuff on, on eBay. Like that's incredible. So, and it's funny. I go, I look back at this stuff though. And, and it's like, um, then all of a sudden competition came in just like Amazon nowadays competition came in. People started finding the bridges, started selling. So I'm, so I'm like, so how do I become different? So what I started doing is I started to offer colors. So I would stain mine, I'd repackage them and I'd put them in. So I'd say you could get yours in cedar look, you could get yours into the clear coat or you can get it into whatever, a cherry coat. And so I'm out in the backyard staining these things and putting them back together so I could still get my 140 bucks. But I did it and it was great, but I was still, again, trading time for for money. But anyway, so I I figured this out. I'm like, holy crap, like this thing is cool. So my wife and I were making these um, templates for our business, uh, Photoshop templates. I was using Photoshop. Self-taught, by the way. I bought the big, thick, like six-inch book. Um, And by the way, I didn't really like reading back then, but I read that like front to back because I wanted to learn it. Um, and I just started learning it. And then I built these templates for our clients. I was building Christmas templates and wedding templates and all kind of engagement. And I said, maybe I could sell these on, on eBay. So I started to sell them and people were buying them for like 25 bucks. And at the time you could do digital uh, downloads on eBay. And then they stopped that because people were abusing it with what with the penny books and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, I went ahead and uh, I said, okay, I'll just ship it on a CD. So we started shipping them on CDs and then I started to uh, get people asking me how we started our business on, you know, as a photographer and all this stuff. So I started posting stuff on YouTube, asking if people had any questions, just like we've, we've done here, you've done, I've done. And um, I started getting people to, to follow me um, back then. And I built a little email list of about a thousand people and I did my first launch and, and yeah, the rest is history. I mean, it just crazy. 
you know, crazy on, on how I got from where I was to where I am and, and even further. And you have raving fans, I know, and you have even a, a small group of people who are paying you tens of thousands of dollars to get access to you and each other, which is, which is great. I mean, you, you've grown so much since then. And mm. you've become known as, at least for a while, the, the, the Amazon guy at AmazonSeller.com. Yeah. You, you've, you help people with their Amazon businesses. Um, why is Amazon an important thing that we need to look at when it comes to selling? And, I mean, I think that's an obvious yeah. question in terms of, yeah. like, well, that's where people buy. But how can that work for us so we don't have to trade our time for money? Yeah, well, he, here was the big eye opener for me. Um, you know, again, here I am. I'm doing, uh, you know, my photography business, and then I started to do it digitally, and I started selling courses in photography and teaching people. And I did that whole launch, which is a whole nother story, which was crazy. But um, when I started kind of looking at the Amazon space, I started hearing about like people doing RA retail arbitrage, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, you go in and you find stuff and you you flip it in a sense. And it was just a lot of work for me, and I didn't need the money really. I was still doing pretty well in the photography space, and I'm like, I don't really need it. Um, but it was interesting. I mean, as an entrepreneur, we're always you know attracted to these shiny objects mm -hmm. and another revenue stream. I'm like, you know, you're passive income, right? So it's like that's what we're looking for, you know. And that wasn't going to be passive for me, even close to being passive, because I was going to have to keep refilling and kind of finding the next product. Um, so you know, I started hearing about private label, where you could actually take you know your you know your brand or create your own brand and or your own product and brand it and make it your your own in a sense, kind of like if you go to the store and you see you know the name brand and then then the generic brand. It's the same idea. That's kind of private labeling at the most basic level. Um, so I started hearing about this and I'm like, so wait a minute here, this FBA thing fulfilled by Amazon, like I could ship something to them and they will fulfill it. I don't have to pack the bridges up anymore. Like I could literally um, you know do that. And and so I started researching it a little bit and there wasn't really a lot of resources out at the time. There was like one big course that we've probably all heard of, but that was about it. There was no podcast talking about it, little episodes here and there, but nothing dedicated to it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and give this thing a shot. I didn't think about making a podcast or anything at that time. So I'm just going to go ahead and just give it a shot and I'll take $5,000 and I'll invest in some product, which was scary even back, even back then. I had, you know, some money, but not, you know, five, five grand is a lot of money to anybody. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'll give it a shot. So I did my research and um, I launched a product and in six months, we had generated 120,000 in revenue. Now that's revenue. It's not profit, but it's still validated. It was an eye opening thing for me. I'm like, holy crap, like this is crazy. It took me, you know, to sell my bridges, you know, it took me how long. And, um, another story, I was selling these projectors, which I made about a hundred thousand on that in about an 18 month span on, on eBay, but I had to package everything. Um, so I was like, I just made as much in six months or revenue wise as I did in like 18 months and it was less work. So maybe I should, you know, look into this a little further. And, um, and our first year we did about 300,000, but what I ended up doing was I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to just document my, my journey and following you for years. I'm like, that's really all that Pat has really done is just documented his journey. And he didn't really worry about how he was going to get compensated. He was just going to deliver. And then, you know, when, you know, the opportunity, you know, would, would show up, then you would maybe take advantage of it or maybe not. It would be your choice. And that's really what I did. And, um, and then I just started publishing uh, a podcast about, uh, I did, I think I did 50 episodes before I made any money, not even a dime. Um, and that was through an affiliate uh, deal that I was, you know, basically using a software. But with Amazon, the reason why I feel anyone, even today, like even as crowded as it is, as saturated as it is, it's still a place where you want to launch your product 
on that platform. Like if you have a retail store right now and you're not selling your product on Amazon, shame on you. You should be putting that on Amazon. It's like free traffic. Even if you only get a handful of sales a month, it's your product. You're going to have it. You're going to have control of it. Um, you have eyeballs. You have prime members, all of that stuff. Um, and I just think anybody like if I was starting over right now from scratch, like I would be building my brand, which we'll talk about, but I would be launching my products on there as a launch pad. Mm -hmm. as a way to kind of get the wheel moving quicker versus worrying about a website that I have to get set up with merchant, you know, a merchant account. I've got to get, you know, uh, someone to handle support. I've got to be able to fulfill these orders, um, returns, like all that stuff. I don't have to worry about if I leverage that platform. So, so that's the big one. So you would recommend having both a, for example, Shopify store selling your thing, but absolutely having that available on Amazon as well. Absolutely. And the reason why I say I would launch on Amazon is because it's 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 easier to do right than setting up all of the stuff for the hosting and all of that stuff mm -hmm. where you have to get everything connected. Right. You have to get if you use Stripe, you got to get that connected in like there's all of those pieces with Amazon. I just really have to have my product have a UPC that I own and then basically just put my product up. Right. And then I just got to get eyeballs. So like that's what I mean, like that kind of shortcuts that process. But I would not stop there. Right. I would then go over and start to build my own channel and uh, and things that I'm teaching now is um, is really what I would advise doing and what I'm currently doing myself. You know, so, yeah, I wouldn't just I wouldn't just do uh, the Amazon route right now where we are today. Right. And that's where I wanted to take this conversation, because I have a lot of people in my audience who are thinking of starting an Amazon business or they have already st started an Amazon business. And essentially doing the arbitrage thing where there is no email list, there's no brand, there's 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 no nothing. They're making money, a little bit of money, or maybe even a lot, but mm -hmm. we all know that Amazon is its own beast and can change things up at any time. So I, I worry mm -hmm. for people to build and, and have all their eggs in one basket, essentially, which is why I wanted you to, to come on and kind of speak to that a little bit and help us understand, okay, like, even if we use whether it's Amazon or another third-party site to build our business on, Etsy, for example, is maybe another mm -hmm. one. Sure. How, how can we build a like our own brand still using those channels, but 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 you know having a safety net from those channels as as well? Where do we where do we even start? I mean, I know a lot of people, for example, on Amazon. Maybe we could use this scenario. I go and I go to Alibaba and I find some product in a fit in in the fitness world, like like a yoga mat or something that, you know, is sweat absorbent and, and, you know, it doesn't odorize or whatever. And, you know, I put my brand name on, or like, I just, you know, buy those and I sell them for more, yeah. uh, but that, that's, that's not a brand yet. No, no. What, what is a brand in, in, in your definition and how do we build one off of, off these platforms? Yeah. Here's the problem nowadays. Okay. Like three years ago, you could probably do that and you'd get away with it for a little while now because the, the space is so crowded. It's only a matter of time that someone's going to come and probably knock you off. Even if you're a major brand, there's going to be a copycat. It's just going to happen unless you have a patent. And if you have a patent, even then you still have to fight the patent, right? You have to have attorneys that are willing to do that. So I always tell people, if you're only going to go there and launch a product on Amazon, you're running the risk of in like three months, you're going to have a ton of competition. Competition. By the time your order is going to be replenished, you're going to have 10 other competitors on you. So the way to get around that is don't think that you're going to launch that product and then only sell on that channel. What you need to be doing first off is you need to think to yourself to build a brand, you need to be able to offer more than one product and also 
a place where people can then be educated. Uh, they can get to know, like, and trust you or um, the face of the brand. I think I think a brand with a face does better. Um, and I think that you have to be able to have that communication, that line. You know, we, we talk about it. You talk about it all the time. Building your email list, building you know your your own outside channels, even um, you know having an Instagram channel, having uh, you know Facebook, whatever it is. You want these other leverage points. So this way here, when the competition does come in, you're not just uh, you know you're not just using the same leverage points that everyone else is on Amazon, pay-per-click and basically, a, you know, maybe one little boost that they're going to do with a giveaway site or something like that. What you're going to have is if you build a brand, I say a true brand, is you're going to have content that's going to always be driving people, uh, you know, to your your products or that's going to be building up for the next, you know, the next sale or maybe just the piece of content that then they spread the word on Facebook because you had a piece of content that started to go viral and then your product is attached to that because you delivered value. So it's all the things that you've you've preached for for years and, and I believe in is really it goes back to the, you know, kind of like, you know, back in the day of just building a way or a channel of your own that you control. So this way here, you can get people to know, like, and trust you. And then the competition doesn't really matter because they'll buy from you regardless. Mm. And if you can do that, then when the competition, all they're doing is getting their, their normal sales, you're going to be able to push sales to Amazon and then you can spike Amazon's algorithm and then you can outrank them. So there's all of those leverage points that you'll have that they don't have. And I, I've worked with Fortune 500 companies um, that have listened to my podcast and they've said, Scott, I've started a division just on Amazon because of what I've learned. And now because of that, we're actually in, he had to actually go to the board and get this approved, but basically where he's taking some of their organic sales on their website and directing them over to Amazon just temporarily to spike the algorithm. And then once they do that, then they get ranked. And what, what we mean by spiking the algorithm is really we're giving Amazon what they want, and that is sales. Once we give them sales, we're recognized as, okay, we should probably pay attention to this. And then they're going to start moving you up the rankings, just like SEO, right? But here's the problem, though. If you have a crappy product, you can rank yourself, but you're gonna rank, your ranking is going to drop very quickly because your product isn't going to sell organically. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, so... You know, I I look at it like like this as far as like moving forward. Like we have to think about it as if you are going to and your audience like I think is perfect because you have a lot of bloggers, a lot of podcasters, right? Um, People that are selling digital products like you can take your brand right now that you have and you can add a physical component to it. And that's a whole nother revenue stream. And and by you having that leverage of building the email list um, or, you know, your social channels, you have that leverage that you can then push your product and do really well on Amazon. And again, having a, a physical item to your your suite of products is just another another stream of income that can come in and another thing that your audience um, and your market, you know, could could use. Right, because um, we have brands already in the digital space, and yeah. that's a huge advantage if we go from there to Amazon versus kind of the people who are on Amazon already being at a disadvantage because now they have to create the content like you were saying, which is a very important part of building your brand. It's what you say. It's your style. It's your culture. It's what mm-hmm. people know you for. You can't just have a product and expect people to follow you. And this is this this was kind of a second question I had. So let's say I was doing the yoga mat thing. It would be very poor choice of me to go, okay, well, now I have this lipstick that I could do. And then now I have this dog training thing that I could do. Because I'm not building, like, what brand is that? 
versus yeah. like what would what would a good second product be for example if i started with it with a yoga mat and started to create yoga related content and 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 you know what would a good second product be for example for that yeah well i think it would be like what like a yoga strap it would be maybe a water bottle yeah, maybe or, or it would yoga be a block or something. yoga block or you know any of those things that would help in that now you, by doing that, you're, you can build out your suite of products in the yoga, but then once you get yourself known in the space like that, you can actually start to add other sub-markets to that, right? I mean, look at Beachbody. They've done that beautifully, right? I mean, they start off with, they've got one program, but then they go ahead and they create a different one for a different part of the market. Mm-hmm. So you can start to kind of splinter off there eventually. But I think in the beginning too, you have to niche down. Um, but if you've already got a brand, we, a perfect example, Pat, is the call that we were on the other day in the mastermind um, with, um, with someone in there. I'm not going to mention the name just in case, but basically she's got like major traffic. She's got a a big audience, a great email list. And what she did, which I advise anyone to do is if you're, if you're selling affiliate products through Amazon or you're an associate, you know, like an, you're an affiliate for Amazon in a sense, you're making 4% or 8%, whatever your level of commissions are. Mm -hmm. If you look at that report and you go, wait a minute, I'm pushing all this traffic to this one post or these different topics and people are buying this person's product, you can say to yourself, maybe I can make one of my own products like that. That's all she did, by the way. Yeah. Like just looked at the reports and said, which one is the top products that are selling? Mm -hmm. So she's actually got an advantage because she's testing products in a sense without having to spend money on product. That's great. You know? There's so many people in the audience right now who are making a lot of money through Amazon Associates, some through books, which is, you know, a different a different thing, but physical sure. products for sure. And you're saying go in there, use that as validation that people are buying those things, which is obvious, and mm-hmm. perhaps think of uh, another solution that is just like that. That's a, a, exactly what we're talking about. And uh, I mean, you you know, Spencer Hawes, right? From, yeah. Um, yeah. He, good, good friend of mine too. And he, um, he's done this in the past where um, he will um, look at sites that are for sale. Okay. That you can buy them on Empire Flippers, wherever. And you're, you're buying a site that people are building just to make an affiliate commission on Amazon Associates, right? So they're making, let's say they're making $1,200 a month net from that Associates. Well, we both know that if I look at that report and I see that most of the sales are coming from certain products, like two or three products, and I buy that brand and now I just turn those into my own products, all I got to do is switch the links out that are pointing to my listings now. Now I've just went from an 8% commission to maybe 38, 40%, right? So that's another thing. Yeah, you can buy that business at a discount in a sense because they're not monetizing it the way that you would monetize it. You know, so those are things that I look at now as huge opportunities for us to invest in like a piece of real estate in a sense, right? Like I could take it and I could make it better. And then, and then I, I already got the traffic coming in. So I don't have to worry about that. I mean, the one thing I always look at is, are they using like, you know, private blog networks and all that stuff. And there's ways to kind of validate all that stuff. But if they have good numbers coming in and all they're doing is making money on the back end with affiliate commissions from Amazon, bingo, like we can just then exactly what you know the girl in our mastermind is doing is mm-hmm. basically just looking at the report and going oh yeah there's three products there i should probably make those mine right yeah and she's gonna sell out like crazy it's, it's oh my gosh insane. yeah yeah she's got a great opportunity there i'm so excited for her now the question i have and this is this is all this is this is huge um yeah i see a product in my amazon report and i'm like ooh, i could create something like that 
now I'm like, okay, can I legally do that? Like, how do I even begin to start mm-hmm. that process? I've never created a physical product before. Um, yep. wh- where do I start with that? Well, the first thing is, is, I mean, sometimes right away, you know, if that's a patented product, right? I mean, if it's a name brand, so if it was a name brand and we knew that that was driven by the brand, like if you did an unboxing of, um, I don't know, uh, you know, some type of, uh, of device, I'm trying to think off the top of my yeah, head, but like some, an, some, a Nintendo switch. Yeah, exactly. If you know that people are are they're Googling that and they're finding your post, that wouldn't be a good one to pick. Right. We, we That's an obvious one. We're not going to do that. But if it's something that's generic or something that we you know, people are just finding and then they're buying it because of the, the blog post that you wrote and then you're leading them to that, you know, that product, then that's different. But we also have to do our homework a little bit. I mean, Google, you can search for patents pretty easily. Um, that's like the first step. You can go to um, the .gov site. You can look there. And then really, if you're if you're questioning it at all, then you would contact an attorney, an attorney and say, listen, yeah. I'm thinking about doing this product. What do you think? Um, and if they're like, yeah, there's there's no patent on you know utility, anything on it. So, yeah, it's free reign. Go go do it. Um, so you got to use your head a little bit on that stuff. But you'll you'll kind of know. And I always look to I mean, if it's if you see patent pending anywhere on the package, you might even want to just buy one. And just have it shipped to you, and then you can, and you know, look at it and see, and see if there's any any patent markings on it or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you definitely want to do your homework there for sure. I mean, I can even imagine being a little creative with accessories and things that relate 100%. to that main product, right? So oh, the, the, the Nintendo Switch. Let's say I had a website yep. that you know everybody was buying a Nintendo Switch for me because I'm a Nintendo nerd, and then I can create like. Uh, a, a case for it that can ha- hold yep. your cartridges or has your stylus in it or I, actually there isn't even a stylus for Nintendo Switch but um, you know creating external things beyond that product or a, pro- a, a like a like a I like to call them upserves like things that can add value to the thing that they're getting already absolutely and that's a it's a great way to put it as far as like you're having accessory built for the main product right or the main thing um i I use that example um of vitamix right i have a vitamix i love it it's an expensive um you know blender um and um but there's accessories that you can buy for it you know even just the 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 thing that you put inside where uh, you know you can stir the thing around without chopping your fingers off right like You could have a replacement part. Um, uh, the same thing with like there's um, refrigerators that have um, uh, the filters, right? There's off brands, right? So there's things that can fit certain things um, that you can do. Now, again, you want to do your homework, make sure that there's no, you know, infringing going on there. But yeah, that's exactly what you, what I would do is look at a market and see if there's something that I could build around it because we know the search traffic's being done around the product. Now you coming up for things around that product that could support it would be a great plan. What, For if sure. we, what if we have a digital product, we sell an online course, we don't really have affiliates for anything on Amazon. Um, is there still possibilities to create a physical product there and then go on Amazon? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, well, uh, you know, John Lee Dumas, you know, he's done that, you know, he's done that with his, with his journals in a sense. I mean, they don't necessarily, they're not in a direct companion for his training, but it's a physical item that could have been just digital. Um, and then leveraging his audience, he went ahead and, and launched it. And now he does very well on Amazon, um, from not even people finding him from his podcast. So it basically just gave him a boost. Um, So this way here, he was able to um, 
you know, basically get all of the traffic, not all of it, but some of the traffic going towards Amazon and then spiking the algorithm. And then now that people are buying it, they're buying it and they don't even know of, you know, entrepreneurs on fire. They don't even know it. You know, they're just like, oh, this is a journal. It looks good. It's got good reviews. Cool. I'm going to buy it. And then they get it. Now they're introduced to his podcast. Yeah. I mean, right? I'm, I'm looking at the Freedom Journal right now on Amazon. It's 409 reviews, which I'm sure a lot of them are thanks to his audience, obviously, mm-hmm. but you sure. can get that spike in the algorithm, like you said. Oh, yeah. But also, it is featured as an Amazon's choice right now. Yeah. So now it's even highlighted even more. More people are getting into his brand. I uh, am sure this is kind of serving double duty for him as both, you know, not just income, but mm-hmm. uh, lead gen for his, yeah. for his other things. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it was funny when he was first launching, I actually reached out to him. A funny story too. You know, a lot of people want to know, like, how do you, how do you get in touch with people? How do you get noticed? And especially like you, I mean, like, you know, how are you just going to send an email to Pat and have Pat say, yeah, cool. Let's get, I mean, there's so many requests that you get. Um, now that, you know, I've got the podcast, I get the same kind of thing, not at your level, but I, I get some John does. So I, I think you might've said this too in the past. This is a little side note for anybody listening. Um, but basically I said, you know what, he's launching this thing. That's kind of in my wheelhouse. Let me reach out to him in a video and I'll give him a couple of pointers or let him know that I'm available if he needs to talk about it. Mm. And that's what I did. I shot him a video and he messaged me right back and goes, yeah, I'd love to get on a Skype call with you and talk about this. So we talked about the plan about his launching, his first launch and then his second launch. Um, And then from there, we've become friends now. So it's just kind of weird how things happen. But yeah, that's basically what we were doing is I was telling him, I'm like, we want to make sure that you get some of that traffic, not just going on your channel. We want it to go and push towards Amazon because that will then eventually take a life on of its own. Yeah. And it, and it has, and I've talked to John, he and I are great friends and keeps me updated on the journal, man. It's like, man, I, I wish I, I had that idea, but, um, I, I love what he's doing. And then he created a second journal, right? And one yep. leads to the next, the mastery yep. journal, which is great. I have both right in front of me right now that they're, they're amazing. So well done, John, kudos to you. So yeah, for sure. Expanding outside the product realm, just brands in general, you have uh, a good eye, um, having both experience in the digital space and the physical space on what makes a brand work. What are some other important aspects that all of us, no matter what we're doing, as people who are building brands, must have in order to succeed? Well, you got to have a good product, (laughs) you know, and you got to have a good market. I mean, the market you know, I think if you, if you want to create your own market, that's tough, right? Um, I know some people have talked about it, but, and and they've done it successfully, but it's a lot of work if you have to educate and you have to kind of build the market. So I think finding a market that you know is either underserved or one that you think that you can add value to or your spin on. And that doesn't mean that you have to be the first. Um, but I think that you have to make sure that there's enough people in that market for you to be able to grow it and scale it. How do you determine if there's enough people? Well, there's a few different ways. And I'm glad you asked that because I I like talking about this because a lot of people don't look at um, the obvious. And that is, number one, we have Amazon to tell us, like, are people buying this stuff? So we can look at the the BSR, the bestseller rank, and we can kind of get an idea. They have a little number at the bottom of of all of the listings. And there's tools out there now that help us with this. But um, we can get a good idea if they're selling product, right? So we know that there's a demand for this product. But more so, is there a a market that is out there outside of just Amazon? Because I won't 
just say, oh, yeah, it's doing well on Amazon. I got to look outside of that. So that's where I would go to places like Facebook. And I would say, are there communities about this? Right. Are there communities talking? Recently, um, Peloton, the Peloton bike. Yeah, we have I was one. looking. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Looking into that market. And I seen that the Olympics was was pushing it pretty heavily stuff. And I'm like, OK, I'm like, you know, let me let me kind of look into this. Well, there's there's groups out there right now for just this. Right. Just the Peloton. There's also ones for just spin class. Right. Or spin, you know, spinning or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's the same idea, but it's still you're kind of subbing, sub niching it down if you go just Peloton, because now it's like a brand driven type thing. But my point is. Um, you're looking also at the market outside of just selling the product. We want to make sure that if I want to deliver content, is there a need for it? Is there a want? Uh, are people going to consume it? Are people sharing it? Um, are people writing stuff about it right now? Are there podcasts about it? Um, are there YouTube channels about it? So I'm really looking at all of the stuff on the outside in a sense to let me know that yes, there's a market there that number one is consuming content, but then also is buying product. How do you help a person who does this research? They see these groups, they see products being offered to these groups already, even products that might align with products that they had ideas about or websites that they wanted to create. They see competitors essentially Mm. and they go, Oh, I guess it's already kind of tapped into how do you, is, are you done at that point or, and have to move on or are there opportunities there? No, there's always opportunities, I think, because depending on, I think the question comes down to though, are, are you going to be the face of the brand? Are you going to be able to deliver, um, content to those people or help to those people, um, you know, and if that's the case, and I know, you know, Chris Ducker, your, your other buddy there talks a lot about, you know, no one can really be you, right? So, mm-hmm. You know, if you feel as though you can stand out by just being you, um, then I don't think you have to worry about it. I think you just have to go out there and and just like be the and you've said this before plenty of times, be the number one resource on the Internet for that thing. Right. It's going to take time. You know, there's ways we can speed that up a little bit. But you have to you have to say to yourself also, is it something that you're going to want to commit to day in and day out? Right. If you're not going to be able to keep up with it, if you're not going to if you're going to lose steam, if you don't get sales in after the first month, you probably don't want to go go down that road because it is going to be a a longer road. But it's well worth it because once you get that, you know, that no like and trust element, uh, it's going to it's going to just it's going to knock it out of the park. Right. There's there's nothing, nothing like it. And I've seen it so many times in my own businesses, but also in other people's businesses. If you have that no like and trust game over. You had mentioned a few times during this conversation the importance of having content in your brand, and mm. I know that's something that you're really great at. Uh, your podcast is extremely successful, and you're diving pretty heavily into YouTube as well, and your videos are great. Uh, how do we, as people who are creating brands, understand even what content to create, especially if it's product-based? I, I just, I, you know, It's easier when you're training somebody on something, but when it's product-based, it seems kind of forced to me, it, it might seem. How do you... How do you break that down? Yeah, here's a great example. Um, have you ever heard of kayak bass fishing? Uh, I um, I know what it is. Um, I don't know if that's a specific brand, but I know okay. what that is. Yeah. Okay. It. I, I didn't know what it was, and we were doing a call on uh, one of my private calls um, in my one of my classes, and um, we were digging into bass fishing because I was using bass fishing as an example, and I'm like, "What's this kayak bass fishing thing?" I'm like, "There's actually a thing. There's actually tournaments out there for just." 
basically bass fishing out of a kayak. So my point is this, there's accessories you could build for the kayak bass fishing market, right? What content would you create for that? Would it be just like, Hey, I want to show you my new paddle. I want to show you my new attachment. I want to No, it's going to be, let me show you how to catch more bass out of the kayak or let me show you five tips that I used this last weekend to catch more bass out of my kayak. And right. Cast it, further. Yeah. Like all of those things, I think people need to be thinking about that and that will naturally lead people back to your content, which then will also be, you know, talking about products because you had a frustration because your rod kept falling off the side and you created your own attachment. That's better than the ones that are out there. And here's a link to it. Like that's, that's what we're talking about. So just because you're in a product-based business doesn't mean you have to talk about your product every single day, mm. right? It's not about that. It could be like, uh, you know, uh, you know, you could send an email out and say, you know, my son and I went uh, fishing uh, last weekend and you gotta, you'll never believe the lure that my son caught this fish on. Check it out. Click here. Boom, they go there. And oh, by the way, that lure happens to be mine that we created and it works really good, That's right? Cool. Like, yeah. So I think people need to understand that. I mean, and you talk about it all the time. Don't always talk about the product. Talk about the things that support the product or that are around the product that could naturally come into that conversation. I mean, I talk, you talk a lot on your, your own podcast and then you'll sprinkle in stuff. It just naturally comes like you don't have to force it. It just happens because it's in the part of your conversation, part of the language now. Mm -hmm. And the people will, they won't feel like they're being sold to um, because you're actually educating or helping or maybe you're humoring them. Maybe you're giving them a laugh for the day or whatever. Um, and then naturally people will come back and then when you do have something to offer, they will buy it or they'll be led to it. The cool thing with Facebook too is, I don't know if you've seen this, Pat, but when you have a physical product, you can add a, a store to your Facebook page. And when you add that, that product there, you create a piece of content. Let's say you do a Facebook live and you're talking about like the five lures that you've used in the past month that have done really well. Some have done good, some haven't. And they happen to be yours, right? Or maybe two of them are yours and three of them are. Well, if you have those products in your store, you can attach that to that video now. So that, that product will follow that around. So wow. because, yeah, so because of that, you're talking about it. You don't even have to say you have a product and right below it, it'll be like product, you know, basically that mentioned in, in here is this, and then it'll basically be a button that you can click and you can, in Facebook, you can tell it where you want it to point your website, Amazon, wherever. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That is really cool. Um, are there any tools out there to help us even more with the content piece of it? Like in terms of, do you use any specific keyword research tools or, or tools to understand what questions to answer and those kinds of things? A very simple one, and it's free, and you know this too, YouTube, like how to, and let it autofill, like how to catch more bass. I did that the other day as an example, and it was like in a pond, in a lake, in cold water, right? So it's- so just I, I would always content about that and make it better. Exactly. Just find out what people are already searching for and then put your own spin on it and make it better or maybe find other things that weren't talked about, you know, and um, I think that's the low hanging fruit. I think that's instead of instead of guessing, go and find what people are already searching for and then create better content. And, you know, and, and better doesn't mean it has to be higher quality. It just means that instead of them rambling for five minutes, you get right to the point, mm -hmm. right? And yours is going to deliver, you know, like the one, two, you know, three punch. It's like, boom, there it is. Um, so I, I think like that, um, Google again, um, you know, as far as like, uh, I think BuzzSumo also allows you to kind of look and see some of the top posts and the ones that have been shared the most and all of those things. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, that's a good one. Um, I don't think you have to overthink that. I think you have to go and see what people are searching for 
And then that's your starting point. And then from there, once you start getting questions from people, because you're going to ask them to ask you questions, then you start creating content around what people are asking and then you deliver it. Nice. I yeah. love that. I want to finish off talking about let's 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 go back to physical product, whether it's a person who has a brand online already and then puts a digital product or a, excuse me, a physical product on it, which I think uh, I can I can almost hear the gears turning in a lot of people's ears <laughs> right now. Um, or you ha- start with a physical product and you start to build a brand off of that. I think one important question that I have is and I know this through experience selling books on Amazon is that I don't get the emails of my customers. Mm. So that to me is tough to deal with because I want to give them value. I want to have a customer and then send them my blog post that is going to also help them. But I know I don't get, uh, it's true, right? Like I don't get access to their email. So how do we follow up with them? What are some things that we can do after purchase to build that brand if we can't even connect with them? It's a great point and it is a frustration and uh, it kind of stinks because we don't get that information. Uh, There's a couple things you can do though. Uh, Number one is you are able to put an insert card into your into your product. So if you have an insert card there that says, hey, go get, you know, the five recipes to make better whatever, right? Um, you can get people to go over to your web property. And then from there, you would capture the, the so email address. In there. the actual packaging? Yeah, yeah. Just put it right in the packaging. And then it's, I, I think a, what I would do uh, and what I, what I do all the time is then I would on that landing page, I would install a Facebook pixel so I can start creating a custom audience there as well. Yeah, that's smart. How do I include that card if Amazon is fulfilling it? Because I am, all of my stuff is packaged before Amazon receives it. Okay, so so they're just getting it after it's packaged, but you don't have to deal with going to the post office, shipping it out, even customer conversations. It's all no, everything is. Yeah, everything is printed. Everything is packaged together as if you went to the store and bought it. If you've ever bought things from the store, you open it up the, the, the cellophane inside and then you have like a warranty card and mm-hmm. you have like those are the things that are inside the packaging. So, yeah. So I would just put an insert card in there. They're going to cost you about 10 cents, 15 cents printed full color, um, depending on where you get them done. And then just have it be very, you know, eye-catching in a sense to where you're going to get their attention, um, but then give them value. Don't say, go buy more of my stuff. Um, it's more of like either go register this for a warranty and get on our VIP list or something like go get your free um, you know, download of X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. Give them a reason to go there. Got now, it. your percentage is going to be less on that because people actually have to physically type stuff in. Like We know that that's like less of a conversion point, um, which is fine, um, but it's still something that I would just do, right? I would also probably put it on the back of my packaging, um, just some type like, you know, um, xyz.com forward slash, you know, uh, training or something like that or mm-hmm. VIP or whatever, right? So just give them a little call to action on any piece that you can that's on the packaging um, or inside the packaging. So that's step number one. Number two is we can send them emails through our Amazon account. Okay. Now uh, this is this is different than an autoresponder. Okay. It's like an autoresponder, but it works through your your seller's account. So you know Chris uh, Chris Guthrie well as as, yep. as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, he's built a tool um, that allows you to basically, and it's totally legit. You can totally do this because we're not sending emails outside of Amazon through Amazon. What we're doing is we're connecting through their API, and it's like we have a VA that's typing up an email and sending it once we get an order. Okay, so basically think about it this way. I can set it up that once you buy something, the day that it's delivered, it will notify my account that it's been delivered and it it will send an email on my behalf. 
and it'll say, hey, Pat, thanks so much for buying your garlic press. Hopefully everything arrived as as it should have. Um, if you have any questions, let us know. And oh, here's a PDF that you can you can grab 10 recipes that you can make for your family to enjoy with your new garlic press. Have an awesome day. Yeah, here's some breath mints too. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. So, you, so you don't get the email address, but you nope. use this tool to still send an email to those customers and you can have triggers set up. Um, that's really cool. What What's the name of that tool? That is Salesbacker. Salesbacker. Sales cool. Yep. And that's nice Chris work, Guthrie. Chris. Yeah. He, yeah. It's a really nice tool. Um, and um, it's, 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 I've been using it now for about two and a half years. It's a great tool. Um, but you can't the, broadcast email like to everybody. Nope. Nope. But here's the thing. What I just said, I want people to understand what I just said. By me putting a PDF in there, I can attach a PDF and it's totally okay to do that. I'm not attaching a PDF that they would go and buy something. I'm delivering something on the back end of go get my recipes. Well, inside that PDF, guess what's there? A link that you can go over and grab 10 more recipes or sign up for something else. And then that would get the email address. Now, I could put a landing page in place of that and say, and put a page up and says, you know, thank you, valued customer or whatever. You know, download your, your uh, free recipe guide here and then they can enter their e- email address. That's, that's okay, too. You can do that. Um, so there's ways that you can do it to try to get the email after the fact, but you're still hoping that they open the email from Amazon that has been sent on your behalf. Okay. So you don't have control of that, but we are trying to get them on our page um, so we can pixel them and then we can also uh, follow up with them on our own email. Um, and that's that's really what we're doing there. But outside of that is we do have, and there's there's ways you can do that. And some people would say, well, um, is it really legal? Isn't it? I'm going to let you guys decide this, but um, you can technically take the customer data, okay? Like, let's just say that you have, um, they were giving phone numbers. They don't give phone numbers anymore, but let's just say it's an address. Mm-hmm. You can take those addresses and upload those into Facebook, and then you can just do, a, you know, match them. And then you're not going to basically solicit those people, but you can run ads to those people. So meaning like you could just put an ad in front of them that says, hey, you want 10 recipes of how to make better meals with your garlic press or with a garlic press or with garlic? And then they can opt in to say yes or no. So it's really where you're able to target those people without actually emailing those people. Wow, but through the physical address and yeah, it'll match into their address that is yeah. on Facebook. Yep. Yeah. It'll, it'll basically match it. And a lot of times we've been seeing about a 70% match. So if you have a thousand, you're going to get about 700, um, custom, you know, people that are in your custom audience. And if you didn't even want to target those people, just do a lookalike audience then. Right. 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 Then you just do a lookalike audience of those people. So that's another way that you could do it, um, and, and get that. And another way, last way that I would say is when you're doing promotions to, to, you know, spike the, your, your sales, well, maybe run Facebook ads to a landing page and offer a discount on your product. Maybe you offer 25% off because you're launching your new product. Well, you're going to capture that email address in that process, right? And now that person would take that code and they would go over to Amazon and buy it. So now we know that those people that went through there, they're on our list, but they also bought. So we've kind of, we've sent them there, but we've actually done our job as far as targeting and then sending them over there. And then we pixel that landing page as well. So that's another way you can do it. Now you're not getting it if someone organically buys, but you're you're getting people that are interested by getting them to raise their hand because they're interested in that discount. And then you would send them to a landing page, capture the email address, pixel, and then um, you can you know have fun with with all of that stuff. Yeah, man, there's so many things going through my head right now, even without a physical product on Amazon um, that I can utilize a lot of these strategies for. That's really cool. 
Dude, sure. so many things. All the things are great, and I, I know that people can go get more from you in various places on the web. Where should they go to get more great information from you? Yeah, I would just say uh, the podcast, iTunes, The Amazing Seller, or um, just theamazingseller.com. Um, I do a workshop where I basically break down the five steps to to basically getting yourself kind of going and getting yourself launched, and that's theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. And that's it. Scott, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate you, all great stuff, and I look forward to connecting with you soon. I appreciate you, Pat. And one last thing I will say is, and I didn't really mention this and I should have, you know, I've been following you since you had your, your first kid. So uh, I've been with you a long time and um, I really appreciate everything that you've done. And really, I look at you as a mentor and someone that has helped me get to where I am. And I appreciate you and, um, and, and everything that you do for the community. So I just want to say that. Hey, thank you, Scott. I appreciate that. And I know there are huge things coming your way and I'm excited to Uh, Hopefully have you back on the show at some point to tell us about all those things and more. Awesome. Thanks, Pat. Cheers. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Scott Volker from TheAmazingSeller.com and The Amazing Seller Podcast. Scott, you're amazing. I appreciate you so much, buddy. Cannot wait to see you again soon. And for those of you listening, if you want to check out the show notes and all the links and things we mentioned in this episode, you can go to the show notes page at SmartPassiveIncome.com slash session 333. Again, SmartPassiveIncome.com slash session 333. And by the way, if you want to check out some of my upcoming live trainings to help you with things related to affiliate marketing or podcasting or even starting your own brand, all you have to do is go to smartpassiveincome.com slash live and you'll see the next upcoming trainings that you can register for for free. So once again, smartpassiveincome.com slash live and you'll get those for free. Just you got to reserve your seat and I'll see you on the call. Cheers. Thanks so much. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.